This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Dan Baltic. And this is Matt Pegas. And this is episode, God, I need to check it, but I think it's like 57. What do uh, we say, maybe, Matt? Maybe like 58 or 9. We haven't hit wow. 60 yet. It's All a right, high 50s episode. We've been at this for a while. We, we've been doing this New Right thing, so we've yeah. even like forgotten at this point, but yeah we yeah plus we are, scrambled like we switched the order around of some episodes so i'm i'm totally lost count but, but we, we are very <laughs> blessed today to have kino corner with us kino and corner. uh kino corner, kino corner. <laughs> yeah. so I, I always like have like not been able to know how to pronounce that you know you know kino you know corner. who also says kino corner but i've never had the heart to like tell him he's saying it wrong who is do you know david stewart no Oh, okay. He's uh, he actually would be good to have on this podcast. He's like a uh, a retired like professor, um, but uh, <laughs> does does like the uh, um uh e publishing or he's, he he likes to rail against trad pub a lot. Um, yeah, and okay. yeah, totally. he's definitely in this in this scene. But he he's over in Houston. But yeah, originally from California. And he always says when he's doing a live stream on YouTube, he always says "Kino Corner" whenever I get in the chat. I'm like, oh, no, I want to, I want to look like a dick and say this is how you pronounce it because that's like dickish. To, no, no, I'm, no. I'm happy that you, you know, corrected me <laughs> because like, I wanna, I wanna have the right pronunciation for the pod. I, I am more of an elder statesman here at 37, but yeah. uh, I still know yeah, what uh, "Kino" means. Kino uh, is uh, it's like Kino, an old 4chan word, right? Well, I mean, uh, half my family is is Russian, and it's the Russian mm-hmm. word for movie. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So I see. But it is like a play. Like the name of it is like a play on the four chan word too, because kino, you know, also can mean a lot of things if you use it in the four chan terminology. Oh sure, yeah. Yeah. Kinetic, what have you? Well, yeah, um, it's all from the Greek word kinetic, of like motion picture film. Is yeah, yeah. 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 Before we get too into it, I just want to tell our audience who you are, what you mm-hmm. do. So the Kino Corner, you uh, you are known as Kino Corner, but you also have a YouTube channel called The Kino Corner, which in yeah. recent years has like really exploded. Like I was watching the uh, literally me taxi driver you know, <laughs> oh, short a, video that you did. Wait a sec. Hey, um. You you keep talking. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna come back in one second. You you keep yeah. talking, introducing me. I'm gonna come back. Sure. Hey, are are we recording also our faces? Uh no, yeah. no, just audio. Okay, well, you'll be able to describe it to the audience. Okay, I, I will. Always <laughs> <laughs> take a screenshot. Uh, so so yeah, so yeah. Kino Corner 
is um, a YouTube channel started by, I don't know if he named Axis, so by Kino Corner. We'll just call him that. <laughs> yeah. He um, started before COVID, I believe. It really exploded like during and after COVID. And uh, nice, <laughs> nice. And uh, so, so Kino has returned and he is wearing the jacket of the driver from Drive. And That's that great. is kind of like, so... Kino has a, uh, a YouTube channel where he dissects movies kind of from an outsider, dissident perspective, but particularly from a perspective that is, an, in a sense, uh, our guy's perspective. Uh, by by <laughs> our guy's, Let's I mean just say that... Let's just yeah. say I know courtesy Arvin. <laughs> yeah. By, by yeah. our guy's, I don't necessarily mean with all the political connotations of that, but I do mean with the kind of like Sigma male kind of internet, you know, alienated from current society, from the yeah. current year, as it were. And so I think a, a lot of us have current bonded. Year plus eight. The, current year sure. plus eight. Yeah. Remember, right. current year is 2015. We got to. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> uh, and a lot of us have bonded over this, like, you know, sense of alienation and like, well, who are our heroes? Our heroes are, you know, Blade Runner, Travis Bickle, um, you know, Ryan Gosling Patrick, in those movies. Ryan Gosling in all of his movies. <laughs> Patrick Bateman, I was about to say. And so these are the kind of like you have, and I'm sure you know, uh, Kino Corner does more than this, but you like are well known for dissecting movies from the perspective of someone who's looking for something Kino, who's someone who's yeah. looking for something that kind of like vibes <laughs> with our guys. And yeah, I would say the Sigma male stuff, but I think I'm equally known as being the guy who's really, really in the fucked up movies too. Oh, true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like, because one of my good friends, uh, you guys might know him, Lewis from Massacre Video. So. I don't actually. Don't actually. Uh, yeah. Oh, so he's part of NPC, uh, NPCC. Oh, nice. Sure. Yeah. I do a lot of stuff with them. That's why I was in New York just a few weeks ago. Was okay. NPCC. So I always go out. I always, you know, go out help out with all the NPCC stuff. I've known Preston actually mm -hmm. before he was an NPCC. We worked at this shitty editing farm in Pasadena. Together. Oh. Back oh, interesting. In, back in 2017 or 2018. So I've been in with those guys for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, Lewis and I, well, Creston actually put me on to Sallow, funny enough. Nice. And, uh, Sallow for him? And he put me on to oh, no, I think the movie, probably. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, yeah. No, not the Sallow. Not the <laughs> Sallow like, form. I didn't know Creston was there. I do, yeah, yeah. I do, I, I do know about the Sallow form, um, of course. But, it's a little uh, bit of a different speed than the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, Creston actually put me on to Pasolini and Jawofsky back then. Uh, and um, But yeah, I really like the fucked up movies as well. Actually, right after I record this, my friends come over to my house. And Lewis, mass shout out to Massacre Video. He's he's actually uh, uh, restoring uh, Men Behind the Sun right now. And he's Don't know that one. Restoring five of Uva Bowles's, five of Uva Bowles movies. Okay. Uh, Uva, I had him on my podcast. Mm -hmm. He's a riot. I love Uva so much. But um, my friend is coming over, and we're watching this movie called Philosophy of a Knife. Have okay. you guys heard about that? No, it's I have by not. Andrei, it's, by, 
It's by Andrei Iskanov. And it's like this super like micro budget four and a half hour torture porn movie about unit 731. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that is that the Japanese no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's the uh that was the Japanese like uh um, yeah, yeah, okay, experimental, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And with these movies, with these particular particularly these kinds of movies, I uh um I I like to watch them because there's always so many like tall tales and legends behind them. And people mm -hmm. are like, you're never going to be the same after this. It's going to make you throw up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have nightmares. And you know what? Like nine times out of 10, that's not, that's not the case. Yeah. Like, I liked, I, I like to, I like to watch them also. Like I've worked on a few horror movies. I like, I understand like a lot of my friends do practical effects. You know, I watch them because I, I like the practical effects. And then if there's like something deeper, then I like to dig into that. And then that becomes shocking cinema on my channel. Back to literally me, I actually just rewatched the last night um, at Austin Film Society that definitely fits. Uh, and it's getting a Criterion release in June called After Hours. Have you guys seen that one? Oh, I did see After Hours. I love it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I just watched that. Yeah. Um this last weekend, I, I coincidentally, oh, I was wow. really, yeah. it, it describes every time I visit New York, it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, because I just got back from New York, and then they were playing that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I haven't seen that in like five years. Let me go watch that. And actually, the main character is looks and acts just like my coworker and one of my best friends. Yeah. So now it's just like it was uncanny watching it. I was like. This is just Ian. This I love Ian. how like, in that Ian movie, New York. New York is like overrun, like by you know violent and degenerate punks, and yeah. like obviously yeah. that that was not even true even then. But like now, if you did like an after hours New York now, it uh, it would be a you know perhaps uh, un uh, unproducible. I think, it, film. I think it was true back. <laughs> in the, I think it. I think it was true back in the eighties. Like, didn't it only start to get better in the early nineties? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm saying here is like the kind of like punk scene was not the people who were terrorizing people in New York. Oh, well, it was like yeah. the vigilantes the and the, the burglars, and uh, yeah. but then there's it's the, the traditional like crime elements. I, I like the uh, I like this one little scene in After Hours where he's in the mm -hmm. diner, his homeless guy keeps coming in, and the guy keeps kicking him out, and he keeps coming back in. Yeah, and, like this random homeless guy. And I remember I went to this one. So when I was in New York last time, I was hanging out with my friend, uh, uh, James. Uh, I think you guys know James. And um, yeah, he is very much against eating seed oil. So he has like all the, the spots in New York, like that don't cook with seed oils. And oh, I would like, actually like to know that because I am in New York. So like, yeah, yeah please yeah. hit me up. Yeah, well, you should uh, hit him up on, on Twitter DMs. He'll, yeah, he'll tell yeah. you the place. And um, so we're in the East Village, which is like, I, I don't really particularly care for the village. Um, mm. And uh, we were sitting outside at this chicken place that they fry, they fry in beef tallow. In the span of 10 minutes, we had five uh, like tweakers or crackheads or whatever, mm -hmm. like people high out of their minds coming to us, ask, like asking if we could you know, if we had money or if we would give them all of our food or whatever, like within the span of 10 minutes, like five people 
And Austin, it's getting kind of bad here, but it's not like that bad. I, I don't know. It was, yeah. I was, was like, wow, like I haven't experienced this in a city ever since I was in LA. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in LA and um, it's also been, been getting, getting worse, not even to regale. All the animals come out at night, man. Yeah. Or in the morning, I recently, I don't even want to, it's, it's just sad, honestly. Um, this, like homeless guy came in butt naked, this coffee bean and tea leaf. I was writing in the other day and they had to call the cops wow. I, just, I don't know it just gets getting some weird. shit in west hollywood yeah. let me tell you yeah that's I, where i was <laughs> yeah um i had this really kind of surreal experience outside of the the new bev mm -hmm. um, yeah. when i was in line to see uh i forget what movie maybe it was bob laflambeur uh mm -hmm. have you guys seen that one no actually it's, no. By, it's uh it inspired oceans 11 i actually have the poster oh cool Cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it then. Yeah, I think that's it's by Jean-Pierre Melville, who kind of was like the literally me director of France in the mid 20th century. He made Le Samurai and Army of Shadows and a whole bunch of really, really great movies. Um, Le Cercle Rouge. Uh, and Bob Lefem. So I was standing outside in line and there's a woman in a wedding dress across the street, walking in circles, talking to herself. And she started undressing. And then she completely took off her entire wedding dress and started uh, like shoving it into a trash can and she was wearing like a swimsuit underneath and then after she stuffed her wedding dress in a trash can she started going up to cars like random cars that were like stopped at a, a red light or a stop sign or something and like hitting on their windows trying to talk to the people inside and I was like what the hell is going on well, it reminds me if you've read um <laughs> unqualified reservations <laughs> there's that uh I don't know if Dan or you, if either of you know this part, but I was just reading the passage, you know, publishing, published compendium of it and I have this link to this famous, I guess, or somewhat famous, or maybe it's mostly just famous because Curtis referenced it now, but a video of like a guy in Las Vegas, uh, like attacking a car. Does this sound familiar? The, 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 the corner man. I haven't anyway. read Unqualified Reservations. The um, girl I was staying with in, in New York, uh, I guess they had the after party of the book there at her place. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. and um ellie you guys know ellie i don't but um, like maybe i do on twitter she says, <laughs> uh, I, I want i wanted to like steal a bunch of books um i want to steal a book and she was like oh yeah i think i have a lot and then somebody had like raided and like taken a lot <laughs> she only had one book left so i didn't want to take it <laughs> oh yeah i mean they were like giving them out there which was tr tremendous yeah. like i i got i guess too drunk and i forgot to take my copy of unqualified reservations so i did wind up paying for them uh for a copy but i mean that's cool like i'm happy yeah. to support I don't, I don't mind paying for a copy support the boys yeah exactly yeah but yeah um, so um so get into uh, uh yeah into the discussion actually if, hand, Dan, if you don't mind me jumping in i did yeah, want to ask you one other question on after hours um oh, yeah, yeah, not that it has to be a huge side quest but um what do you think of the similarities between that and eyes wide shut i mean they're both like uh this kind of like new york nightmare you know this kind of like right uh, yeah uh that also has a highly sexual um yeah like everyone wants to i i no, like I, I thought it was almost uncanny. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in um, re reframing art. You know, I've just I have no doubt that Kubrick, of course, saw After Hours and that that was like a major 
Yeah, and I just, believe just that the Eyes tone of, of like everyone wanting to fuck the protagonist in, in this weird, uncanny way. And there's some other small random things too. We uh, we can't hear you kind shut. Of. I think it's more about that temptation out. It's more about that temptation outside of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Definitely. Yeah. Sorry, you cut yeah, out for a second. About, but like, yeah. that temptation yeah. outside of marriage. Okay. Nice white shot. I think it's more about that um, temptation outside of marriage, like, and constantly being tempted. And it's like, is he, uh, this drive jacket is actually really warm. So I'm just, <laughs> uh, Fair yeah. enough. I don't know how, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to survive. My friends and I are all going to wear scorpion jackets to the Barbie premiere. Um, nice. Oh man. Uh, well, they keep, they keep theaters overly air conditioned uh, in my experience. So you might be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, it's always cold. Um, but in uh, in after hours, it's actually like the all the women who are coming on to him is shown more in like a like a negative perspective. It's it's more mm-hmm. of like something that is uh, uh, something that is to be feared, right? Like these yeah. women want to want to have sex with him, but he like he doesn't want it, and yeah, and it's these yeah. women's advances on him that actually kind of like really creeps him out. And it's shown as being really creepy. And, yeah. No, um, no, that's a he's just, yeah, like, that is quite distinct. Yeah, yeah. It's more like what um yeah. Bap would say. And, yeah. <laughs> and when he doesn't and when he doesn't give in to their advances is when everything goes wrong because a woman yeah. accuses him of being the burglar to get back at the perceived slight that he uh yeah. that he uh, had against her. And when in reality, he was just like, yeah, he probably wasn't going to talk to her again. Like the one woman who's putting up all the like, this is the burglar. Uh, he's probably not going to talk to her again, but she doesn't give him. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Um, like, he's like, Let's... Yeah. no, 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 it wasn't Catherine O'Hara. It was, I think it was Terry Gar. Oh, okay. The 60s yeah. looking lady with the beard. Right, right, right. You're right. Yeah, you're, you're right. And then, you're Catherine right. O'Hara's, and then Catherine O'Hara sees that and she's like, you're dead, pal. Right, right. And in right. reality, it's it's uh, Cheech Marin. It's Cheech Marin who's the who's the burglar, um, and it's really when he gives in to the woman's flirtations uh, at the end that he's saved. Yeah, no, it's he uh, has to sort of like play along, accepts the longhouse, sort of, and then he gets into yeah. yeah no, I mean it's very like I hate to even say this word, but it's very like red pilled on on that. <laughs> like uh about you know women. Well, like dude hell hath no fury like a woman scorned you know yeah yeah that's uh of course i guess there's a <laughs> another i get i say eyes wide shut is like after hours after hours also a bit like um the tenant the uh polanski movie where they gets mummified it's kind of a similar yeah end point um and they're all you know yeah, i think yeah there's there are different angles on the same on, uh, there are different angles on a similar issue, but in both definitely in both the tenant and after hours, there is that like, uh, yeah, smothering mother, it's smothering like the, female thing the, going on. Yeah, the the yuppie men having these like city nightmares. Yeah, no, it's yeah. dope. I, I thought that I, I watched it randomly because I saw it came on HBO and I thought that's like the best movie I've seen in a long while. Yeah, I mean, it was like before yeah, all of this censorship, and yeah. you could actually like write you know, and produce things that uh, rang true, which kind of like gives us a nice, uh, you know, segue to the issue of artistic freedom in film. 
and um the extent to which kind of like so we, we've discussed this uh you know we've discussed this you know between each other that like obviously mm -hmm. we both agree that the mainstream is not artistically free it's very censorious it's very woke whatever that word means to people but i think we all kind of have a sense of what that means and uh as a result you cannot really love uh who is it carl popper <laughs> uh i mean there's there's a bunch of yeah. them uh or something like that yeah uh foucault uh you know yeah, marcus what have you but uh yeah just to kind of it, like it, it's just like um how, how yeah i just want to say how i saw it like as far as like why it's not free is because there's so many levels of bureaucracy in like uh mainstream hollywood right now so it's like so you have a script that does well, right? It gets top of the blacklist. It's like, uh, yeah, people really like it. So Paramount or mm -hmm. Paramount or Fox or, or somebody is like, hey, we option the script. Uh, it goes to their bottom level junior development exec, right? And that person reads it and says like, hey, I really like the script, but here's some notes because the person above me is going to want you to change this, this and that. Like, they're not going to, they're not going to like it unless this has changed. So you go, okay, let me change those things. It goes up mm -hmm. one, another level. They do the same thing. It goes up another level, it goes up another level, another level. And like, by the time that it gets to the point of like, where they're going to buy it and maybe use it, it's so neutered that like, they've completely taken any of the teeth out of that. Script. Yeah. It was like after yeah. hours. And then uh, suddenly by the time it's at the top, it's black Panther. Huh? That type of deal. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, I Gaspar mean, Noe famously hated Black Panther. Yeah. What did so, Noe say? He didn't like it? Noe said he ran out of the theater after 10 minutes because he couldn't stand the R&B music. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's, uh, that's harder than the, like, weird frequencies that he put into Irreversible to make people vomit. <laughs> I would much rather take irreversible than black panther i've oh 100 i mean so irreversible is a good movie it's yeah times. one of the greatest like <laughs> so but i mean like with regard to the woke stuff you know our audience knows it everyone knows it everyone knows kind of like it's impossible to produce anything that is good art because good art has to be honest good art you know cannot be kind of like uh dovetail with propaganda and mm -hmm. so we all know that the um, the thing that we talked about was how the kind of uh, nascent um, based literature, based film, based artistic scene uh, is in some respects um, a little censorious and they have, you know, kind of ideas yeah. about like, what types of stories should be told from a kind of, um, you know, best ideological best practices. And this makes, I just want to say, this makes perfect sense when you are trying to combat an ideology that a hegemonic liberalism and hegemonic wokeness. So you want to, you know, double down and say like, we cannot give an inch. Everything has to be Conan the Barbarian everything has to be, you know, a kind of like purely, you know, based 
right wing movie. And the thing is, like, if you're a real artist, I mean, like, your tendencies might run there and might run toward Conan the Barbarian. And I recently watched that. I will say that that was a work of art. And, um, you know, that's that's great. Yeah, I like Conan. But there are, you Shout know, there's a whole to, uh, John Milius. Exactly. But there's a whole spectrum of art <laughs> out there that, uh, you know, is more uh, in some respects, you know, not certainly not heroic, more satire, self-deprecating. I like all of our listeners know I wrote a novel called Nutcranker, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, proving to be very popular among our guys, despite the fact that it's self-deprecating. And I think there's a hunger for this out there, too. There's a hunger for art and film and media that um, presents a non-woke view, but also something that's um, not necessarily heroic. That, you know, kind of is either comical. I think people just want something that's honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think people just want something that's honest and something that actually, like, speaks to what people what people feel like you know the like we look at like i I was talking i've been talking to a few people about like you know like what is like dissident film and but if you look at like the late 60s into the 70s like the new hollywood like all those movies were essentially dissident movies you know five easy pieces taxi driver Mm. uh, mean streets uh the king of marvin gardens um the last detail uh and uh you know john millions was making a lot of movies at the same time was friends with all those guys and you know it was a mix of the political spectrum but they had kind of gotten tired of like that uh the hollywood epic or the right um, you know the the more cheesy sort of hollywood stuff that was maybe prevalent like in the early 60s uh and there were these young voices that were speaking to uh problems that like maybe um speaking to societal issues that young people um you know, I, I mean a lot of people had at the time like i mean taxi driver totally. really dealt totally. with the fact that new york was a total shithole uh and was able to sort of incorporate all that into kind of a neo-noir slash western um and uh you know so like and we look back on new hollywood it's like man that's like that's like one of the best eras of American cinema um, because it was like all these directors coming up who are making these very uh, almost like anti Hollywood movies. And they had a really good uh, systems in place. I mean, Dennis Hopper, easy rider is Mm. one of the greatest movies of all time. I think that, I, I think that in some circles has been very misunderstood because how I read uh, Easy Rider, it's like a uh, it's like a satire or like a uh, deconstruction of the '60s hippie movement. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, it you know doesn't portray any of the hippies in any kind of good light. Um, it, you know, and it's so funny that it's off. Like one of the first places they start off is like the movie is actually kind of trad in a weird way where they go to the man who has the ranch, he has all the kids and, you know, they're all good Christians. And, and he's like, man, this is like, they're living like 
the life that everybody wants. And then they go to the hippie commune where they, they don't even know how to like, you know, plant uh, any kind of uh, crops. They get all their food from the city. They're totally like just, you know, like, yeah, it's like uh, uh, ignorant of any kind of farming methods. And then like the closer they get to New Orleans, like the more kind of hellish their world becomes. Mm-hmm. And then the Mardi Gras, like the ultimate debaucherousness is where they kind of have this like descent into hell um and uh but yeah no dennis and then with like the last movie and dennis hopper was like a big proponent of this like dissident filmmaking i mean and even in the movies that he acted in a lot of them um were were a lot like that but that like kind of kicked off bbs studios and i think that what allowed some of these movies to to be made and to thrive was their system that that bbs had back then which is like like, hey, you're not going to have a big budget. You're going to get like a million dollars. I mean, maybe less. Uh, and But we're going to give you complete creative control. And all we ask is that you don't go over budget and you finish the movie on time. Yeah. And, um, you know, so the small budgets allowed uh, allowed people <clears throat> to have like uh, more creative control. And that's how we got some great movies like Five Easy Pieces and The Last Picture Show that... Um, you know, uh, that we're sort of exploring topics that like no Hollywood movie yeah. explore at that time. Uh, but they ended up becoming hits, you know, like everybody People responded to it. Anybody yeah. who knows anything about film, anybody who knows anything about film knows the last picture show. They know five easy pieces. They know easy writer, you know. Um, and uh, in, in these movies have, have lasted for such a long time. And, and then what you also had in the seventies were like exploitation directors like Roger Corman, who also <laughs> were fostering all this young talent and like, and it's kind of funny that I was talking about massacre video a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. But we're almost kind of in a similar place because massacre video is like an exploitation, uh, you know, exploitation, like a, a, dis- dis- a distributor. And, uh, that's where Alex Lee Moyer releases her documentaries. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, I knew I knew the name from somewhere. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's like, uh, you know, so Lewis is kind of fashioning himself to be like a new Roger Corman in, in, in that regard. And you look at like, you know, who was under the wing of Roger Corman and it was like Martin Scorsese, Coppola, yeah. Yeah. Altman, you know, they all kind of came up through this guy. And, um, you know, and it's like these kind of outs, like it's, it's, uh, these people who could make really a lot of films really cheaply outside of Hollywood, um, that kind of brought in all these like young voices. Now we consider to be some of the masters of cinema. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's, I think that that's like the proper, proper way to, to go about these things. Like, you know, I um, <clears throat> talking about like this kind of like wanting to make movies that are ideological. I don't really think of any when I write or when I when I make anything. I don't really think of ideology at all, um, because I I just have this like gut feeling that if if I'm writing something and I'm thinking about ideology, oh, I want to get across this political point or or something like that. Exactly, I, I feel like that will immediately date my movie, and <laughs> so I. I, I don't want to do that. Um, and I, I, you know, and I know that um, 
leading up to this, you, you asked me too about like working with Asher Penn from sex magazine, who is a lib and I, delicious tacos also isn't necessarily right wing. True. Oh yeah. Right no, true. Uh, yeah. And, but it's like, it's just kind of like pack of misfits, you know, totally. Uh, which, where, uh, yeah, the, the politics, the politics don't really matter so much as as people who are just like really, really thirsty or really hungry and thirsty, whatever you want. Thirsty <laughs> has too much of a sexual. <laughs> maybe when I'm talking about Asher and delicious tacos, maybe that, maybe that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Oh, no, no, there's, <laughs> there is a, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a thirst, <laughs> but they're thirsty. They're, they're thirsty for, for something that is like fresh, you know, something. Yeah. Totally. totally. Like, what like what mainstream movie is actually um diving into uh you know something like the opioid crisis or something like the destruction of like middle class america or something like about poor white people in um in a flyover state you know it's like i mean the thing is i mean yeah like the ones that do that it's all kind of like caveated with like well here's our uh you know BIPOC or LGBTQ, pro, you know, protagonist, which actually, like grounds it in like actually, yeah, this uh, is a this is an LGBTQ struggle, not a uh, a struggle of because mm-hmm. like you know obviously there's a certain demographic yeah. which uh, the you know regime whatever you want to call it does not like to valorize, or 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 you get something like shut in by the Daily Wire where they completely. Mi- misused vincent gallo um mm-hmm. and i see it but yeah. they have it set against it they have it set against the opi- opioid crisis but it's done in such a on the nose kind of way and it's done in such like a neocon uh it has all this like really shoved in sort of like neocon george bush era uh republican yeah. sort of ideology well like that, like yellowstone like, like you know the the trappings like yeah. the the meme the Yellowstone meme with Kevin Costner, yeah. the Hicklib, like, well, yeah. like all the trappings <laughs> of conservatism, like, yeah, we like guns, we like beer, we like horses, but uh, damn, do we, if Black we do not recognize yeah. uh, that, you know, this land belongs to indigenous people and we have a lot to learn from yeah. our such and such. Like it's, you know, it's kind of like when it's important to remember that this like Yellowstone, all these things are written by Hollywood writer rooms full of libs. So it's kind of like, how do we sell, um, how do we sell a show to the chuds that, you know, we can still, you know, uh, sign off on and be like, you know, this still has our values. So it's okay. And so I think, you know, essentially, yeah. Yeah, essentially, you know, what, to my mind, what dissident filmmaking should be doing is producing a uh, films and, you know, stories that uh, they would not sign off on and that they would say these have the wrong values. These have the, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of yeah. creating the wrong heroes and the wrong villains. And that's dissident filmmaking. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Like the one I'm working on, the, the one I'm writing right now, I sent you a yeah i read it it's uh it's good yeah very rough it's still very rough there's a lot of stuff that you know what i'm basically doing right now so i've done the the opposite beforehand where i like overwrite the first draft 
or the rough draft and I go through and I, I cut it. But with this one, I want to get like the skeleton in there first and then put the meat on there later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, and my goal in this script was how do I humanize a mass shooter or yeah, a potential yeah. mass shooter? And like Hollywood, I, I like, I know that I'm going to have to get independent funding for it, which I can do. Um, uh, I've been like, I'm, I've been very lucky that I've been able to, to make some good connections who can, mm-hmm. who can make that happen. But um, Hollywood would never want to make a movie about, you know, like a, 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 basically like a gummo type character who lives like in a shitty apartment, you know, whatever that wants to commit like a, a, a yeah. mass shooting and who, and it's like, uh, oh, you can't, you can't humanize, um, somebody as despicable as that, but it's like, well, like what, you know, my question is like, well, why can't I like, obviously yeah. this is something that's terrible, but like, but if we always, if, if even in art, like, I feel like, I feel like in art, you know, uh, you should be like kind of breaching some taboos. You should be like, absolutely. And yeah. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take somebody who like, everybody hates i'm gonna get them to to actually like them and maybe um or maybe not quite like them but maybe at least understand understand them, them. Uh, yeah in, in some way uh-huh. no for sure i mean friend you of know, the because, pod because yeah. we just have this whole culture of like villain villainizing and villainizing and villainizing and as i as i see that that's only going to lead to worse and worse social strife and it's like maybe it's time that we start to, to, to think like maybe these people are people too. And maybe, and maybe what they do are system or are uh, systemic or they're, they're symptoms of a, a larger cultural disease that we Definitely. have at the moment. Yeah. No, the, the book I wrote, not, I'm not even trying to plug this, but you know, that my debut no, novel no, you should plug, Matt. published before um, Dragon but, Day, everyone Dragon should Day. read it. Yeah. Uh, is it, similar. It's about um, <laughs> someone who commits a, a bombing, and it, yeah, I was very much um, in, in the same vein, getting sort of behind humanizing someone who might do that. Um, and I was also going to say, uh, so, so it's a common enough theme, and I I totally get what you're saying, and I think that for as much as we talk about mass shootings, we talk about them in terms of obviously, you know, on the liberal side, gun gun restriction and and even like even even like the just the mental health conversation i don't think always goes deep enough and i i think that art should be able to explore that i don't i don't like the mental like whenever whenever conservatives are like we have a mental health problem it's like you know what i don't think that that's actually the case like that you know you want to say you have a mental health problem but you don't want to actually say what the problem is like you don't want to actually get in into the details you don't want to talk about uh, isolation and loneliness. You don't want to talk about porn addiction. You don't want to talk about um, drug addiction that's that's rampant right now. You don't want to talk about nihilism. Talk about the dissolution yeah. of well, families. Ab- absolutely, nihilism. Yeah, like the the very kind of like yeah. the very like I had a somewhat viral tweet about this, which was something to the effect of um, you're telling me that, oh, I saw a, that tweet. Yeah. a bunch of people from all over the place who are united by nothing besides like, you know, competing for resources <laughs> who uh, are in a degenerate sexual culture who have no higher beliefs are having problems. And yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, 
that it's kind of like, you know, in order to actually kind of, you know, situate and diagnose the mental health issues, you would have to kind of tear down the post-war order and say like, well, mass immigration was a bad yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> you know, well, all of like, you know, women in the workforce was a bad thing. And all of these, you know, things which kind of are kind of sacrosanct now in some respects, like it's, you know, so like, yes, it's kind of like weird. It's like, you know, you say like when, you know, the, you know, the right wing is just like, it's a mental health thing. Well, that's like the tip of the iceberg. And the whole problem is that, you know, we're not in a position where like politically we can, you know, discuss the whole iceberg. Yeah, yeah we like you know, we can't and it's almost too taboo to to really get into that. Um, and as I see it going forward too, um, it's only going to get worse with automation and AI. Like yeah. what's going to happen to a lot of working class people when all of a sudden their jobs that they depend on are now taken over by uh, automation and by uh, by AI? It, it, you know, and, and that's what all these corporations, I mean, they've been, they, they love like illegal immigration because it's effectively slave labor for them. Yeah, um, exactly. And drive down wages. And if you look at the wages over the last like few decades, wages have not gone up, gone up proportional to, um, inflation, uh, like hype, like inflation is like, like, you know, terrible yeah. right now. Yeah. And like yeah. what, what that's doing is like people can afford less and less and less. They're making just as much money, but all of a sudden they're a lot poorer because their wages are not going up at that same rate because uh, there are the corporations are megacorps are making sure that wages stay down so they can get more profits. They're getting more profits, but everybody else is poor. And um, I, I kind of realized um, I had this realization that like, just because there's a lot of money doesn't mean that uh, there's a lot of wealth. Yeah. When I was in San Francisco in like 2017, I'm originally from uh, the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Gotcha. My okay. dad was yeah. Navy. So we, we ended up moving around a lot. And uh, I ended up growing up mostly in Florida, but to the Bay Area uh, for the summers because uh, that's where a lot of my family still lived. Um, and uh, when I was the last time I was in San Francisco was 2017 and it was like a dead city. And I was talking to people and they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, we can't even afford to like live in the city anymore. Um, you know, people are like out as far as like Davis mm -hmm. commuting into uh, into the Bay like every day, which is like a two hour drive. Um, and I was like, yeah. what? but yeah. like these Silicon Valley companies are taking in like billions and trillions of dollars and you're walking around the city and it feels like there's nobody there. Like it feels kind of dead. It's and really, yeah. um, it's except a for very depressing people, case, you know, yeah. it's, it's like a super stratified, it's super stratified. And, um, and so I had that realization that, uh, just because there's a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that there's a lot of wealth. And, uh, you know, and I think that it's going to get worse and worse with, uh, just how our society is, seems to be going is like you know california is kind of the experiment right for the rest of america that's yeah how it goes right or no it's true we become yeah. a playground for the wealthy yeah no and the middle class just kind of ceases to exist 
Yeah. Completely. Like what you mentioned about um, New Hollywood and how that was, you know, a lot of people think of New Hollywood as being like a left-wing thing, if, if anything, but really what it was, was making, you know, movies that were honest and about these issues that were affecting a new generation that were not spoken to by the older generation. And I do kind of view our position as analogous to that and that we can make movies or podcasts or books or whatever, but art, um, or even just tweets, you know, that, that kind of address these issues. And I mean, I think that's, what's going on. People talk about vibe shift, whatever. Like, I think the reason this space is growing so much. What's that? Until Barrett that you said the vibe shift. I said, oh. until Barrett, you said vibe shift. <laughs> he hates that. You know, Barrett? Uh, sort of. Yeah. 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 And I was just hanging out with his, uh, uh, his girlfriend works here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives here in Austin, but he's in LA right now. Oh, just... is he? I'll DM him about our, our uh, reading event then. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Barrett's an interesting person because uh, he's a good friend of mine and he's a Marxist, you know, like he's like totally like a, a, a Marxist, but he, uh, he and I agree on a lot of things. Um, uh, he's but you know yeah. he's in this dissident space but you can't really categorize him into like mm-hmm. any sort you can't pigeonhole him into anything and I, I like to feel like I'm also similar in that like I don't want to be pigeonholed as like oh he's like this this oh he's just this right-wing guy because people use yeah. that to uh to brush you off to be like oh yeah you're just this right-wing guy like you're, you're or you're this left I have plenty of people that think I'm a communist and because yeah. i like soviet yeah. propaganda <laughs> i'm like well they did propaganda really well <laughs> like well like, i have to appreciate art when i see it right absolutely <laughs> and, uh, the soviets made really yeah. good movies and oh yeah um, i mean there's I'm a like, whole learn from this <laughs> oh completely i think there's a whole like little subculture within like of, of appreciating certain elements of uh the soviet Union, right i don't know um in terms of aesthetics or, or whatever um or even politically the aesthetics are absolutely beautiful but also like i really look up to pasolini actually i have his poster i'll show you yeah there we go. right now i got i'm building out a studio right now but um this is for oedipus rex mm. um so you know it's very uh very kinky uh photo right here <laughs> um him with his mom he doesn't know it's his mom in that scene <laughs> you know as the story goes <laughs> yeah 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 but uh but it's like uh um you know it's it's a whole diverse uh amount of opinion like that di- like diverse opinions but the thing is that each of them feels uh i i, I kind of don't like using this word but i think it's apt is transgressive you know like how delicious tacos talks about sex mm-hmm. in like this this kind of way that's uh um uh, this kind of way that like nobody even dares talk about it any, any yeah. anymore. Uh, well, I, I think and in it, I, as he talks about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I apologize for jumping in here, but I think <laughs> that kind of like if you are an artist, you will necessarily, in order to tell the truth, you will transgress, and transgression will impact yeah. the left and the right. Because like, if you have any ideological project, to some extent, you're going to have to uh, suppress certain truths about, you know, your agenda. 
And that is like something that if you are an yeah, and I, ideal I at first and, and, you know, and an artist second, sure. That makes sense. Like you, you yeah. know, you should produce art that is more propagandistic that celebrates what you want to celebrate and hides that which you want to hide. But like, mm -hmm. if you're an artist, well, like, you know, your first uh, duty is to make good art. And that is something that like, you know, yeah, I, and, I and essentially that, and that make self-reflection. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, mean, that means self-reflection. And that means being able to even say in your art, uh, show in your art, your own shortcomings, uh, maybe in how you think about the world and because how, how it should be like when you're writing is like a discovery, like you go in there with your mindset, you're not going in there necessarily with an ideology, but you do have an ideology that maybe is subconscious or it's unconscious to you. Mm -hmm. And as you're discovering the story, you might have to go even against your own ideology and kind of muddy the waters. Absolutely. About like what the actual, what the actual message is, because it's, because the world is more complex than just like this and this, this and that, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's always, it's always murkier. And that's why I love Pasolini. Uh, he was an mm -hmm. avowed Marxist, also like kind of a lapsed Roman Catholic, but still loved, like still really cherished his Catholicism. He was a Marxist who was pro-cop and anti-abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, like he was, he was a walking contradiction in a, in a lot of ways, but his contradictory, the, contradic the contradictory aspects of him is what makes his movies to me i mean other than just this filmmaking prowess it makes his movies much more interesting because it really feels like he's uh not t taking it really from an ideological standpoint but from mm -hmm. like this also a very self-reflexive self-reflective uh kind of a and self-deprecating in a lot of ways uh and and it makes his movies feel a bit more esoteric and and uh they interact more with the viewer because if a movie is like purely ideological, uh, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, like yeah, I, I, exactly. I like, you know what I mean? But with those, it's more like, what was he going for here? Like, I can't quite pin it down, but then like the movie then kind of stays in your, like in your mind for a long time. Everyone knows when you're holding back, everyone knows when you're just like, there's mm -hmm. like a deeper thing, but you're like being like, Nope, we're not going to talk about that. And mm -hmm. like, you kind of like, yeah. uh, like, for instance, um, you know, as much as I love like Top Gun, like those mm -hmm. types of movies are just very much like triumphalist and that's great. I love it. But like, you know, there are certainly like aspects, like if, if the characters were very seriously developed, you know, you would get into kind of things that are less heroic yeah that are more you know kind of like yeah. you know messy and you know that why, that is kind of really where about the northman oh sure yeah that's why i really that makes about... sense. sorry to cut you off no I, no no, no. Go ahead. northman it's like he um you know it is like this viking revenge tale and it is basic in his hamlet it's based on omelet prince of denmark right that hamlet was based on yeah uh, but it's a mix of omelet and like a whole bunch of uh Icenic sagas like uh the saga of Gratir the Strong and Urbicia mm -hmm. saga and like all these different things kind of incorporated in, into the Northmen but 
I like Eggers didn't go for that kind of trite, oh, revenge is bad thing because he does end up winning. He dies and goes to Valhalla at the end by getting revenge on Fenrir. Um, and, uh, but it is like totally messy and he realizes mom actually hated him the whole time and he's doing all this for essentially not but it's like but he is on that quest and he has to out of honor to his dad he has to fulfill this quest you know and yeah and so it's like it's so it's like yeah he could probably have just like sailed away but he knows that like that cycle of violence was just going to continue so he had to basically kill everybody in that family to end that cycle of violence. And yeah, it's really messy and it's really bloody. And it's, and you're like, man, I wouldn't do this. But the, the thing that Eggers did with that to his, to his credit immensely is that he wasn't looking at it. He wasn't looking at the story from a 21st century perspective. He was looking at it like from a 900 AD perspective, like what, would they have considered honorable and what would they have considered to be good? And like, he does some dishonorable actions. Like when he uh, kills Storier in his bed, which is very, like was very taboo, like killing somebody in a bed, uh, you know, not in combat. Mm. Um, But uh, you know, but he ends up doing the honorable action at the end of like fulfilling his revenge quest and mm-hmm. and Eggers is just showing it to us and in this way it's like yep this is just th- this these were the cu- this was the culture at the time this is what they they said was honorable and he's like and i'm not commenting on it you know? yeah uh and that that is i i like to sort of compare and contrast that to uh the green knight which came out a couple of years ago right where, yeah just, uh, yeah uh, David Lowry definitely he took the Arthurian legend, uh, the, the the epic poem of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, mm. and he totally transforms it because he's looking at it from a 21st century perspective, and it completely, uh, in my mind, taints the material because it's not it's not true, and it doesn't really get to any uh, any truth other than kind of this like. 2020s nihilism which is like honestly i don't i don't like it but it's like i don't like nihilism on for a lot of reasons but it's also just like come on man this is so this is so passe now like yeah. nihilism's done you, you know like I, it, it's passe like even my script it might seem because i'm only on page 50 of the script um it might seem nihilistic now. I, I think, though, that near the end of the work in progress, you kind of see where it starts to shift into kind of an anti-nihilist. Uh, I yeah, wanted to show yeah. the nihilism of that character. Yeah, I wanted to show the nihilism of that character and where it leads him to. And uh, but I, I, and then and then like the second the second half is going to be more like uh, uh, if the first half is he's like. The, ni- the nihilist, right? The se- uh, the second half is going to be like the sun and steel, you know, sort of. Uh, yeah, 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 completely. That yeah. He's, he's kind the, of, the whole incel arc, himself, as it were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gym becomes a gym cell, watches uh, Yukio Mishima uh, <laughs> perform the in front of the uh, Japanese army. 
cuts out seed oils, of course. <laughs> yeah, cuts out. I don't. I. I like. I'm really trying to ride a thin line by not going totally into meme territory. Of like, I need to keep this like realistic to a person like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I'm like, and maybe this the seed oil thing like isn't gonna that'll i mean maybe by even by the I mean, time what? Like the i think you should show him doing you should show him slonking you should show him slonking eggs <laughs> Slonky that's eggs. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean like i feel like that is something that's really catching up yeah i mean hey rocky that's like and it's rocky slunk eggs exactly, exactly. yeah it's, 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 it's like it's a very and also it's just like a very visual thing to slonk an egg that's just like yeah. that captures very well on film i think yeah whereas like cutting out seed oils is just kind of like he's at the supermarket and he's like ah no seed oil okay but like (laughs) slonking eggs is just like it's not really a visual thing yeah exactly right yeah yeah exactly and initially the script was going to be kind of nihilistic because i was feeling very i I forget what happened i I think it was the uh nashville shooting yeah Yeah. nashville Uh, certainly something uh nashville it was yeah the uh the one yeah, by the I, uh, I, I was feeling really kind of like uh man i remember i i was feeling so depressed after watching the uh um after watching the body cam footage and seeing the dead kids uh in in the hallway and like mm-hmm. for me that is like crimes against children i like it really yeah. gets to me um and I was feeling, and I was like, no, like this movie's going to be like, I was feeling very, very soon because of that. And uh, so initially I was taking a direction and as I started writing it, I was like, well, you know, um, maybe I don't need to add to the cynicism. Like, it's like, why feast, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you can write about nihilism without writing from nihilism or wrote without espousing nihilism and yeah. i think it's important to, to write with from a place of understanding of nihilism without necessarily fully falling into it yeah and and it's like a lot of the people i know are inherently nihilistic even if even if they don't necessarily like understand what nihilism is it's just that's just our um culture that's just it's, like, yeah I mentioned earlier completely um friend of the pod, I'm sure someone who you're somewhat familiar with, at least Catherine D. Um, she was on a couple episodes ago. Um, wrote a oh, really yeah, great yeah. piece for Pedro Gonzalez's newsletter. I don't remember what's called. It's called uh, Mass Shootings in the World Liberalism Made. And she actually talked about that piece with Tucker. Like That's when she went on Tucker Carlson today or whatever. That's oh, what he okay. wanted to talk about. And it's a fantastic piece that I think sums up something that a lot of people instinctually no which is that one any other issue on talk about mass shootings from guns to mental health um is is one thing but what, what really underlies it all is this culture of nihilism which is kind of like the, the air we breathe the water that we swim in as mm-hmm. fish so to speak and i do believe that I mean, without being too pessimistic because i'm optimistic about some things but i do think there's a nihilism that isn't just a subcultural nihilism it is a mainstream meaninglessness thing in our culture yeah and i want to i want to even get back to like new hollywood about this because uh there are some like 
I've seen some people call like Taxi Driver nihilistic, but if you really watch the movie, it's it's actually not. Um, no. Yeah. He he does save the day, and he does save this this child who's been trafficked, and he does become like this average yeah. Joe does become the hero, and and he realizes uh, to his credit, he realizes that assassinating Pal- uh, Palantine is um, only going to create more chaos, and that he can use this this rage or this uh, this wish to sort of make his place better not by not by killing somebody who's honestly going to be replaced with another puppet or another just like mm-hmm. corrupt politician but to save somebody and make a, and reunite a family and that's yeah. how taxi driver ends is he does reunite the family and i know that some people go like oh he couldn't have gotten away with it it's like that was new york in the 70s dude like he he would be a he would be a new york hero exactly he like killed his kids and then, yeah like, i mean like being daniel penny yeah, gonna in the 70s mm-hmm. yeah daniel oh, yeah, penny in the 70s would yeah. have been a hero yeah but you yeah. know it's only like today <laughs> yeah. where yeah, yeah i yeah. was gonna say that like watching your taxi driver video it would indeed have been a very different movie if the uh the kind of antagonists if you were were um you know uh, of that uh, specific demographic that you mentioned, it would yeah. have, uh, you know, certainly yeah, like they were in the original been, script. Yeah, been viewed very differently. Where Matt, we're talking about if Taxi Driver had um, had antagonists in the as it was in the original script of uh, a certain demographic, as opposed to yeah, the yeah. Knights who are the antagonists in the actual. That, that was in the original version of the script. I didn't realize that. Uh, apparently, yes. Not yeah. surprised. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. It, it was actually, it was actually pretty smart uh, on Scorsese's part for changing that because it's given the movie more lasting life. power. And, Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's like some can talk about these same issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think some like atrocious censorship where it completely changes the message or anything. I just think that yeah, maybe the latter would have probably yeah. been more realistic to the times if we're being honest. But yeah, the interesting thing though was um, was Betsy supposed to be African American? Um, the Civil sure Shepherd. She was supposed to be African American. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, <laughs> I just. I, I think that the only clearly. Yeah. I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I think it was just. Um, it was just uh, like uh, the all the people at the uh, whorehouse. Okay, I see. Who were yeah. supposed to be that? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, my but, my lingering thought. Or, go yeah, on, it was smart on Scors. Yeah, it was. It was smart on Scorsese forecasting like guys. Who, I mean, Harvey Keitel also was like known for like Mean Streets at that time, uh, making it more like uh, Italian mafia sort of thing. Yeah, than, yeah. Um, you know, than anything else. Interesting. My lingering thought on on nihilism and Taxi Driver is that um, you know, it was of course written by Paul Schrader, and I was just going to say I think Paul Schrader is a great example. I mean, he writes that sort of what I I've written about this. Like, I don't want to call it the, calling it the incel narrative, is, I think, reductive, um, because I think it's more than the, just people who aren't getting laid. But um, but I do think it's that Dude, narrative. Travis Bickle of, has great riz. Yeah. <laughs> Travis great Bickle what? has great riz. 
<laughs> Riz, I'm not familiar Riz. with this. Oh, Riz is a kind of like vaguely Zoomer like term for charisma. So there you go. Oh, okay. Riz. Well, I'm going to start yeah. using that immediately. But um, yeah, you know, he does. And, and other characters and others of his movies, you know, get laid plenty, including um, like Richard Gere in American Gigolo is even this, even he's the opposite of an incel. Mm. But it's all this isolated male protagonist improving himself. Like that's what you see in every fucking Paul Schrader mm. movie from Taxi Driver, everything he wrote from, you know, Taxi Driver to First Reformed in, in different ways. And um, it, it, what I really want to say is that, you too. know, What's up? Oh, definitely yeah. Card Counter. And I haven't seen Master of the Card Counter yet, but it's yeah. probably in the same yeah. vein. Um, he's not a nihilistic filmmaker is what I'm really trying to say. He's not. A, he, there's. It's the opposite. You know, he's a very Christian filmmaker in some ways. And, and you know, he deals with nihilism. He deals with men dealing with darkness and nihilism. But they always find some profound sense of purpose in the end, even if they're committing violence. But usually, yeah, it's a profound sense of purpose. And usually um to, to morally good end i mean uh, rough sleeper uh is another example of this or light sleeper i think it's called um you know th th these are isolated men they do they're anti-heroes they do morally questionable things sometimes but typically there's that final shot where it's like oh you reunited my family oh you killed this woman who's antagonizing my sister you know it's always something like that you know it's very moral mm -hmm. very moral well like like, like in the card counter, he doesn't even murder Willem Dafoe. He does the uh, the game of uh, stat. Like, what's it's like the yeah. game that they had? Yeah, some type of remember, special yeah. forces <laughs> game where they like go like shot for shot or something like mm -hmm. that. And like yeah. he, and so like yeah, Willem like Dafoe lost shot. and he won. But yeah. Like clearly, yeah. it, it wasn't you know. But it was like to the end, him. and on yes, an honorable masculine, you know, duel as it were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, I think that a lot of this, like Paul Schrader stuff, even is encapsulated in uh, one of my favorite of his directorial movies, which is a uh, Mishima, a life mm, in four chapters. Good ones. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, and it's like he. Yeah, he does lose in the end with his, you know, I mean, it's based on true story. So, right. With his well, that's what's interesting to, about Mishima is like, that's where uh, it really happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like Paul Schrader is a total weeaboo and his uh, brother <laughs> Leonard lived in Japan, I think has a Japanese wife. He might still live in Japan. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, so, you know, that Paul Schrader was definitely very influenced by Mishima. Mm -hmm. Just as a writer, he's also very influenced by, you know, Brisson, Tarkovsky, and Ozu, because uh, uh, he wrote that book uh, on transcendental cinema. Mm. And, like, there's like this, and and there's like a meme with uh, with uh, Paul Schrader is that he always has uh, the pickpocket ending. So if you've ever seen the movie Pickpocket by uh, Brisson, it mm. ends with uh, the pickpocket who. Pickpocket is like this very loose adaptation of uh, Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. Mm -hmm. And it ends with uh, the main character on one side of the jail. Yeah. And he's talking to his girlfriend at the time. And they touch the fingers on, you know, yeah. they they touch each other's fingers. And if you watch Paul Schrader, he ends a lot of his movies. Uh, at least like five shot. of them. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. We don't talk about that enough. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't realize the Taking extent. Yeah. 
And even the ones that don't literally end like that, yeah. you know, it's still the it's still the same beat. Um, like in first reform, they kiss or whatever. Like it's it's more intense, but it's still the same. Yeah, coming together of man, male and female. It's typically. the same. Yeah, yeah. And talking about Brisson, uh, Brisson made a great movie on nihilism, and people think that the movie itself is nihilistic, but it's really about nihilistic youth of France in the sixties and seventies. And uh, spoiler alert, it's called The Devil Probably, and it has a great a great ending. So the, the um, main character is completely nihilist. Decides that like the only thing left for him is to, is to die, but he can't bring himself to kill himself. So he goes to a graveyard, he gives a gun to his friend, and it's like, I'm going to walk. And, um, and as I'm walking away, I want you to shoot me. So yeah. as he's walking away, the guy... His, his friend brings up the gun and the main character says, wait. And, it, but the guy's already pulling the trigger and he shoots him. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. And it's like, wait, it's like he didn't realize that there was actually a reason to live until basically it was too late. Yeah. And in that moment, like the movie becomes like anti like, and, and it's one of my favorite endings. I think to any movie ever is in the devil probably. Um, and uh, you know, but, Paul Schrader definitely like takes a lot from, from, from that, um, yeah. from that director, especially Brisson, um, who was a very Christian, uh, very Christian filmmaker, actually. Like he was quite, uh, if you haven't like watched any of his movies, I would definitely. I haven't, out. you know, um, you start yeah, with, uh, I have not either. Absolutely. I mean, that's Maybe another. You start with uh, a man escaped. Man escaped. Okay. Maybe start with pickpocket or a man escaped. Yeah, yeah. Maybe pickpocket to get that Schrader beat that I I didn't even realize came from from someone yeah. else. That's that's amazing. I mean, that's another new Hollywood yeah. element, right? Is to kind of take these this European influence, right? Yeah, because they were all like film students who became. It was like the first generation of uh, basically film students, you know. Because if you yeah. think about like the directors who came out and the, you know, before that they a lot of them were like uneducated um or maybe mm -hmm. they had education in other other places um mm -hmm. uh you know brisson uh was a painter uh he was uh um he was a painter who uh only like kind of late in his life when he was like 40 uh switched over to film uh during world war ii because he said that painting uh he saw painting as being like or fine arts as being sort of like something that was done I think he said that Cezanne sort of pushed painting to what it could be. And he's like, I, I can't, I can't like expand off of that because yeah. it's going to become like nonsense now, which you know, he's, he's pretty right. Like almost all the fine art that I like is pre mid 20th, uh, pre mid 20th century. Yeah. Uh, I don't really care for any, I don't care for much art after that. Uh, it's either, it's either like redoing things that have already been done or it's in such this uh, abstract direction that I think it loses a lot or all meaning. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've understood a lot of the, uh, you know, I've, I've dived into like Rothko and like all these artists. Sure. Like I understand where they're coming from. It doesn't mean that I necessarily like their, their work. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, but what Brisson was doing, what Tarkovsky was doing and what a lot of these like mid 20th century directors were doing, uh, Orson Welles too, 
mm-hmm. was like trying to figure out like what is what is cinema? How do we actually define this as an art form? A lot of the French New Wave directors were doing this too. Brisson's not French New Wave. He started 20 years before the French New Wave was even a thing. Hmm. Um, but the French New Wave definitely took a lot of inspiration from Brisson. They saw him as like one of their mentors. And then New Hollywood, they saw Orson Welles as like their big mentor, but also the French New Wave. And Orson Welles had been sort of blacklisted from from Hollywood for quite some time, had been living in Europe. And, uh, but there was definitely a revival. Like you see, you know, Peter Bogdanovich was... Uh, who's a major uh, new Hollywood director yeah. who was uh, totally. also Orson Welles's biographer. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they took a lot from these, from these directors and they were like the first like students of cinema. Um, actually a great movie that you guys should watch. That's from Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, it's called Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Hmm. Yeah. That's uh, one I've never seen. Stars. It came out. It's, came out in 75 i think um and it stars ryan ryan o'neill um Hmm. it was panned upon release but thankfully uh last year here in austin richard linklater presented it uh right after uh peter bogdanovich's death Hmm. and um and it's about like the birth of cinema and uh it's very funny It's, it's definitely not politically correct in any uh, in any way, shape or form, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a love letter to the, to the birth of cinema. It's, it's a much better movie about early cinema than say Babylon, um, <laughs> was to me was like a, a movie about a guy making a movie about parties, a guy who's never been to a party making a movie about parties. <laughs> um, <laughs> Makes sense. um, and you know, and, um, uh, but yeah, so these directors definitely took from a lot of like the earlier directors who they thought were interesting. They were sort of also recontextualizing a lot of movies that maybe people uh, had slept on, you know, like uh, with the Caillou du Cinema in the 50s, you know, all the French directors like Godard and Truffaut and Mal and Romare. Uh, yep. They created the term uh, film noir because before that, you know, it was just, oh, there's the B uh, gumshoe movies, right? It's just uh, the film noir elevates uh, that to an artistic B movies. Yeah. And I think that we're sort of in a similar place now where we can kind of elevate movies that aren't like are seen as like not as good uh, or at least not as worthy of like being seen as artistic, but also use that kind of going forward to say like, this is like the new film canon moving forward. and that, that's kind of what I tried to do on my, uh, on my channel was, um, but it's also like, look, you know, but there's always this like forward, you know, forward looking aspect to it as well, which is what new Hollywood had, which is what the new Belle Vogue had, which is what a lot of these uh, great movements in, in film had is that they recontextualize films, but also use that to move forward and create a new genre that actually spoke to um, newer audiences. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, I I think we're in a prime spot to do that just because like mainstream Hollywood now just kind of sucks. Like, you know, I saw guardians of the galaxy three and I knew that I was, dude, they fucking (laughs) opened up guardians of the galaxy three with the acoustic version of creep. 
I'm like, oh my god, it's like it's so Reddit, so cringe. Yeah, I know you. You could choose like, I like Radiohead has so many good songs, and you fucking chose Creep. Like that's terrible. You don't choose. You don't choose like uh fake like if you're in the '90s, like you have OK Computer, right? You have the Bends. Yeah. You have like two amazing albums from the nineties. If you want to go with nineties Radiohead, you have like, uh, the tourists, you have fake plastic trees. You have street spirit fade out. You have, uh, uh, paranoid Android, like all these, like Just actually, completely great lazy actually the funniest thinking, or is it, is it, yeah, is it lazy exactly. or it's just so hopelessly mainstream and muted and wanting to appeal, not want like not daring I mean, I, I have no doubt. Actually, the intention was we needed to put a song in that in here that everyone knows. Well, I think it's like partly yeah. you have to select it at the right moment. Like uh, everyone knows the Pixies song at the end of Fight Club, but it was so perfect, it just made yeah. sense. And yeah, like and... that's like that's okay. But when you're just kind of using a song that everyone knows as a way to kind of like introduce everyone and get them on board with the film you know, that's it's that's setting yeah. the wrong tone yeah. i would say i mean prop I, i'm yeah, props yeah. to you for having like, the fortitude it's to even so sentimental yeah <laughs> i i, I kind of you know i went sought out of a sort of morbid curiosity sure um and and i think that like I, I pointed this on my letterbox review. I actually didn't hate the movie. I thought it was better than most Marvel movies, but like that's still saying like it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's at good. least it's original. In a none way. of them. None, yeah, at least it doesn't have other like cape shit people in it or whatever. But like, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, um something that something that kind of got me about like maybe the morals of the film or like the sentimentality of the movie is that you see an entire like planet so literally like the bad guy is the chud jack billions must die guy <laughs> and he like kills he like kills an entire what they call counter earth so you have like a total genocide of like all the people on this planet and it it's just shrugged off and it's like oh no but we're gonna have like this moment where you have to feel sentimental about like them saving a few animals from the spaceship but it's like but they just failed to like save billions of people yeah. um you, you know what i mean and that's just kind of shown as like oh it's just an action set piece like all these like billions and billions of people dying which yeah. to me i was like that seems like the that just seems so 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 strange and so wrong um completely but yeah um as far so i think we wanted to talk about a few other things um we me, did uh, want to jump into yeah. if you had a chance to watch it bolt driver yes no oh yeah the the kind of student this kind of student film remake yeah. of taxi driver in la <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i watched you, it. Uh, yeah, I watched oh you it. watched it okay cool yeah no i mean like yeah. it um it seems to kind of hit on a lot of the themes that we've been talking about in that, like, it is, you know, like, I do think yes, you kind of misunderstood a... Travis Bickle, though. Hmm. Fair enough. We, I do think we it kind talk of about that. Travis Bickle. It, I mean, I think to an extent it's trying to be a, a literally me movie. 
it uh, certainly is like playing with the yeah. not playing with the it is like an incel movie and uh, I I'm confident that the more kind of like yeah I'm confident that the more uh, you know trad elements of right-wing art would say in certain respects it is a bit quote-unquote degenerate so like this kind of like hits on a lot of the stuff we've been talking about which is one of the reasons why I thought it would be in addition to Matt having written a very uh incisive review of the film so (laughs) I I think that I I think that the degeneracy actually in sexiness is something that people especially in our dissident sphere should sort of strive to reincorporate because something i've complained about i've complained Absolutely. about this a lot on on twitter uh of how movies just aren't sexy anymore and what i yeah. mean by that is like you, you see more nudity actually probably in um and maybe even more sex scenes in, in film and television than than you have like in the past although although that's been kind of going down like you don't you don't see as see you you don't see as much but it's not played for any kind of it's not played for any kind of like uh but it's not played for like sexiness or 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 anything and when i what i mean by sexiness is not just like oh i want more boobs in films which you know of course every man wants more desire yeah like okay like well exactly i uh, think i know exactly what you mean in that, like the sex like scenes Cary that they Grant. show are now like the, the like they like showing cock basically. They like showing like flaccid like yeah. men changing cock as a way of kind of like, well, we're showing male full frontal, so we're woke oh, yeah, or whatever. Thing. But yeah. it's not yeah. like it's not like look, I'm not into that stuff, not my uh-huh. thing. But I'm pretty sure that like women aren't like, oh, that's a hot flaccid cock. Yeah. No, they're not like that's not something that like yeah. women are like really like you know or even gay men are just like like you know the you know if you know you you want it to be sexy no, like or whatever like, yeah the male you know, member is supposed to be hard like that's the, the when it looks is, good like, <laughs> so like and but they're not you know willing to show <laughs> that obviously so like they kind of like uh, compromise on this like version of like we're gonna show sex scenes but. Because we're woke, we're not going to show uh, naked women, which everyone wants to see. And we're going to show soft cock, which no one really wants to see. So that's that's kind of like yeah. where I think we find ourselves yeah. right now. I, I would today. even say that. Yeah, I would even say that, like, you know, the implied sex scenes from like the 40s and 50s of like Humphrey Bogart and Cary Grant, like, are sexier than the uh, sex scenes that involve uh maybe partial nudity today because yeah, yeah the actors actually had chemistry the actors were were good looking they were shot in such a way that's like seductive uh and you know it's like the ending of north by northwest where he's seducing the woman in the train and then it literally you see the train going into the tunnel to me that's sexier yeah, yeah. than like some like you know, sexier than anything in girls like for sure um it's sexier than than most sex scenes now even though you don't you don't really see anything uh the 70s were i mean the movies were you know very sexy i mean uh shampoo is a good example of like Mm -hmm. a very sexy movie um and 
and you know deals a lot with sexuality and where Warren Beatty basically plays as like a uh, a hoe, you know, he's, like, uh, he's yeah. you know, the, you know, and, uh, but just all of his interactions, it, it, it's not just down to, oh, more boobs. It's also, it's also like having on film, like this kind of seductive atmosphere. Actual fucking feel like energy. Now it's like, yeah. It's like, yeah. Energy between the actors where you're like, oh, it's intoxicating to watch. And now it feels like, sex and movies when i see it is um somebody somebody wrote it was isaac who wrote this thing about sex scenes yeah. movies now are cringe. Yeah, yeah. yeah he did um and it's because that that energy just isn't there and it feels like the the sexual aspects of a lot of these new movies just feel kind of lifeless you know yeah it's just I think like it's, it's uh friction yeah. it's like just friction it might be a more general sexlessness, so I don't want to over, be overly reductive, but I think in a lot of ways it is the muting of the masculine yeah. energy that people yeah. are afraid it's of. Because like that's problematic time. these days, but that in fact is what is the basis of human sexuality. It's it is. Men it's men pursuing it's the, it's the and it's women submitting. Yeah. And if you like remove women submitting and men pursuing from film, it just becomes kind of denuded. It becomes you know denatured. And so you have like, you know, you have the kind of soft yeah. cock sex scenes that we have today of like men changing and exactly. it's like great, yeah, great. Yeah. No one fucking cares about seeing some guys, you know, flaccid dick flopping around. That's just not hot. Like it's hot. Like even if you don't see any nudity, yeah. a man kind of overpowering yeah. and taking a woman and like that's hot. Yeah, like, but like it's a sexy movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but like it's a sexy and actually, so I'm I'm coming out with a video next week. It might be out by the time this is. I I don't know. I'm coming out with a video like next week ish, depending upon how fast I can edit it. Uh, where I talk to a YouTuber friend of mine. Um, shout out to uh, Meat Canyon. Uh, about a movie called Angel Heart, an '80s okay. Mickey Rourke. Like I've heard of that throughout, one. Throughout the entire movie, Mickey Mickey Rourke is like he's hitting on literally trying to seduce literally every woman in the movie um mm. there's only one sex scene and, and the actually the one sex scene is played for like kind of it's like a nightmare sex scene it turns violent you know um which in itself like is kind of sexy uh but uh it's sexy just throughout it just because of mickey rourke's energy and playing off of the women who you feel like those women are actually very much like falling in love with him or maybe yeah. they're not falling in love with him but he's really trying well yeah. that's that's why and, i would uh, suggest that yeah. 80s movies are much hotter the sex scenes than like and maybe uh isaac got into this i haven't read that article yet than today's sex scenes because they do uh they're they're pre-woke so they have like men you know dominating women which is what is generally hot I mean, like, yes, there there are kind of variations mm -hmm. on that. Everyone has their kinks. But, like, certainly the um, kind of, like, sex scenes of today, which are more, like, just, you know, denatured. They're just, you know, you know kind of Le 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 deracinated from anything yeah. that is, like, true or real. Yeah. Huh. You know, leave it to leave it to a gay guy to really uh, um, understand heterosexual sex. Mm -hmm. For my Mars video, I read the book by George Bataille. Yeah. And um, he has this 
and he has he talks about sex and violence you know that's pretty much like the whole book is talking about sex and violence and all sorts of different kinds of violence mm-hmm. like cannibalism and whatnot but he had this passage in there um where he says that like talking about human sacrifice and talking about uh like pagan rituals pagan sexual rituals with and what sac like basically the impact of uh sacrificing an animal or sac- sacrificing a human um and then he relays relates that to, to sex and he says that essentially what what sex is is that the woman is the uh um is the feist the man is the sacrificer i mean it's, uh. a, it's a very like maybe maybe you, you know it's like leave it to George Bataille to to describe it like that, mm. but there is a truth in that where it is the uh, the man is acting on the woman in sex. I mean, just from biological stance, right? Yeah, um, and it is like that almost, and like it is like almost a ritualistic or like if the sex is good, right? <laughs> if the sex is bad, it's just like it's like two people just kind of. Uh, rubbing on each other for a few yeah yeah it's it's, you, you it's purely mechanical <laughs> you know? but yeah i mean it's I, purely I can, mechanical yeah. but if the sex is good there is it's like a religious aspect to it you know there is like of this surrender religious and, yeah. or spiritual aspect to it of surrendering and of like sacrificing um and i yeah. i think that that's kind of and, and and that's been lost in a lot of sex scenes now where it's yeah. like you don't get that feeling of like that submission or that sort of it's it's not like they're trying to show sex scenes to sort of be like oh yeah these people had sex and now they're in a relationship or something like that it's like very kind of banal and i'm not sure that it's just because movie it's not i'm not sure that it's just because movies have like tried to censor themselves to go down this way i i actually don't think that's the case i think it's just that sex scene is something that's very much more casual than it, like people were still having a lot of sex people were having more sex in the 80s than they were having now for sure but there was still this kind of cultural um idea that uh it was something that was like uh there was something more Powerful. to it than just yes. than just friction yeah. absolutely no, i think it's a really you know, which anybody who's had anybody who's had sex knows that that's like that that's the case Unless you're, unless, I don't know, you have like this like body count of, I don't know, a hundred or something. And you're just like, oh yeah, that's basically just like me making out. Like it's, yeah. it's not, but you know, you can, it's like a desensitization being like, it's like the culture at large is desensitized to sex so that it no longer holds like this kind of power in, in essence. When in reality, it's like the power that sex has is something that is, it's, it's very powerful when it does hold that power. And if you can interpret that into art, it becomes uh, it becomes very alluring, and uh, it becomes very alluring, and becomes something that you really want to watch. Exactly, it, it's like you kind of you you want to like a good sex scene should make you feel like on like uh, like I talked about this with Asher quite a bit, um, but you know a good sex scene should turn you on, but it should also be like. I shouldn't be watching this. Like, I feel like yeah, these yeah. two people Absolutely. have this intimate moment. And like, I'm but, this like voyeur. I'm like this, I like, I'm not a part of this. 
I, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this, but also, you know, and it has that like transgressive element, like giving you that feeling almost like you're in a, your apartment building and you're looking out the windows, you know, at the neighboring apartment building and you see it happening and mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, wow. I, I, I should look away, but yeah, maybe, yeah. No, yeah, I mean like the you know. increasingly, um, not permissive, but yes, permissive, but just the, like the omnipresence of, you know, I, I certainly am not a, uh, a, you know, unmitigated foe of pornography, but like the, you know, the fact that it is all on demand whenever you want. Um, and indeed like sex, depending on your, you know, I mean, very much depending on your demographic and your, you know, income and whatever is like also increasingly more on demand in big cities it um it loses a portion of its mystique and that is something that i think like actually uh i i would argue that and you you might think otherwise but uh i would argue that american pie was sexy I would argue that like this kind of like this idea that like he has this foreign exchange student who he's creeping on and, you know, Mm -hmm. these like horny high school guys, just like American Pie was made in an era kind of before like widespread internet porn. Like, yes, there was internet porn, but there wasn't like high speed streaming video. It like, it was kind of like where you did have this kind of like fascination uh on the female form on like you know and yeah. i how, how i don't gonna have how are you gonna have sexy movies yeah how are you gonna have sexy movies when people can just look up whatever exactly they're into exactly or whatever on the internet all the time and and it's and, and that's what i mean like how do we make movies sexy again is like for one have actually good actors who have lots of charisma that are able to get across this mystique because like none of this porn has any good writing or good actors and there's no mystique to it. it it's literally just uh mechanical um yeah and uh you know and it's like making it more human or making it more human than human in, in essence you know it's like you would rather watch like the greek gods seducing one another than watching some woman who is probably a drug addict, you know, like, or I'm not going to say it's probably a drug addict, but like, well, (laughs) you know, you know, yeah, highly likely, uh, you know, just getting, uh, just getting railed by some, some random dude and there being like really nothing else to it. Like there, there's so much more to, um, human sexuality than just putting penis and vagina. Like there's so much more, there's so much, more to it and in fact in fact like this the sex aspect of it should come as the uh, pun intended climax of uh, a long seduction of like and the seduction itself is 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 actually the seduction aspect of it the flirtation uh the sort of back and forth the kind of getting closer that actually to me is like sexier than the actual sex scene yeah, yeah. um it's like a uh, uh it's like that's just what happens after and um the moment of surrender and that's what yeah. a lot of older movies did so well that, yeah yeah that's what older movies did so well that you don't really see now it's like oh we're just gonna casually have sex and then like get back to it like in our new york's 
in their New York NYU film uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. movies, you know? Um, yeah. And it's, and it's like a, it's in, and, and in fact, there's like uh and I was talking to Asher about this, like, how do you make stuff like transgressive within that sexuality? And like um, the movie from last year, that's sort of struck as like having this kind of sexuality that is transgressive and how they do it was bones and all, which um, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you know, the, it's kind of like badlands. Um, uh, it's a lot like badlands, but uh, you know, the um, couple on the, on the run, or you can maybe even liken it to Rockies, like the doom generation or to mm-hmm. true romance. Um, and, uh, but they're cannibals you know, and the actual cannibal aspect of, of it also entry, like that kind of violence aspect of it to it also makes it a little bit sexier. I mean, like there's a reason why Badlands is so sexy because they're criminals and they're serial killers. Yeah. 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 (coughs) No, completely. It's, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's amazing how, how, how that, that, um, libidinal energy has just, dried up so much um in society at large and and in cinema um it's just become like you know it's like the libido or that that kind of energy has just become kind of neutered and and it's just you know it's like movies are like as i said you don't even have to have a sex scene like i just want characters to to be like there's something about seeing somebody blown up on the big screen and you're feeling like the feeling like you're watching not an actor, not a person, but some sort of like mythical uh, figure. Yeah. And it's, you know, a reflection of like an ideal and in a sense. And of course, like, you know, with the script that I'm writing, none of the characters are like ideal or anything. And it's definitely not a sexy movie. So maybe I'm a hypocrite for doing that, but I am, also yeah. developing a movie that I hope is sexier, very sexy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if Dan. I, I don't know if Dan sent you the the treatment. Um, he sent me I'm the gonna, script. Gonna write this after I finish writing. Is there a treatment too? No. So I there's a treatment for a different script. Gotcha. Um, but I'll wait till he gets back. But yeah, no, it's a. Uh, um, I'd love to check it out. A, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I like I, I can rant. I can rant about <laughs> about all this stuff, and really, what it comes down to is what I don't like in a lot of this sort of modern um, dissonance. Uh, like, I'm I'm liking that there are now movies that I'm liking that there's now art that's being made because, yes. like, for a few years, it was just for a few years, it was just like reactionary. It was just people tweeting. It was just people saying like, this all sucks and blah, 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 blah. Like, but nothing was being made to sort of replace uh, what was seen as like the problem. Yeah. Right? Disney was still dominating the market. It was still like all this like PG stuff. It was still mm-hmm. all this like very anti-transgressive stuff. It was like, you know, you, nothing was really being made to, to, to offset that and to sort of say, this is what, we want to do instead and then you know and, and the really cringe thing was who beat everybody to the punch was the fucking daily wire and their movies are terrible yeah. and i i just don't they had money i just don't so buy I think that's into, why, but yeah yeah 
well they had yeah they had lots of oil money and i just don't buy into the whole like uh, um you know like bush era conservatism or oh anything for sure like not that. like to me it, like it's a step back I, like as well. i just think yeah. that's cringe and and they are and, and the thing is they're just as censorious as anybody else like like i don't think any of my shit like they would they would uh, approve of any of my shit um and no i don't because think so. it's like oh no you have to you have to play to our uh um suburban housewife demographic and it's like well i don't want to fucking do that like i yeah, I, I want yeah. this i want like 19 and 20 year olds you know who i want like edgy kids to, to watch my stuff i i want i want um I want people like across the political spectrum uh, who just feel like there's something wrong with the world and they can't put their finger on it. And they might have, they, you know, they might have an idea of it, but they feel uh, they, they, but they feel it and they need something that speaks to them. I'd rather, I'd rather go to that rather than try to play for a bunch of boomers. Mm -hmm. um, I think that yeah. demographic is like yeah, exploding no. right now too. No. Like that there's so many people who, who are just like what you described and many of them young, many of them zoomers. Um, people who are who are disaffected and it's not that they're right wing it's just that they're disaffected with everything kind of culturally and politically and they're hungry um they're hungry for like in-person events which is a lot more of they're hungry for films which are being made books which are being written it's really all good. of our npc shows yeah. sell out yeah all of our NPC yeah. shows sell out like and and it's not just is it's, it's like and it's a good mix of people from every walk of life and as people who are like disaffected people who feel like they want to they want to become part of something that actually is going to speak to them and i think what a lot of like mainstream what a lot of mainstream uh uh studios don't understand is that they've gone so far into id poll where they think that you uh can see yourself in a character if it's the same race or gender or sexual orientation as you mm -hmm. and like that's like that's not the case at all like i can watch a movie like deep cover where the main character is lawrence fishburne great movie by the way um and the fact that he's a black guy in la doesn't stop me from sympathy like doesn't stop me from uh really uh connecting with that character i can mm -hmm. watch um i can watch a movie about a gay guy and i'm not gay but if the movie's done really well uh that doesn't stop me from connecting with that character yeah uh the if it's a woman like i mean yeah. I, I mean i'd say I, that I, probably aliens is mostly a male fan base and he but ripley is like she's a woman i mean and you know sigourney weaver was also hot and man a aliens yeah. is a is a sexy movie and uh, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and uh um that doesn't stop that doesn't stop men from you know like the thing is is like they think such on such a surface level uh, perspective of like, oh, we're going to get people to, to, to sympathize with this character, to relate to this yeah. character because they have the same skin color or they like to fuck the same kind of people or they have the same genitalia. And it's like, no, that's like, you're totally I, missing the point. It's, you know, it's like, I know tons of black guys that love Taxi Driver. It, they don't yeah, care yeah. that Travis Pickle's yeah. a white dude. You know, I think what we're drilling like th down that, into that doesn't matter. is the difference between art and propaganda and like indeed mm -hmm. kind of like propaganda on the left, Idpal stuff, propaganda on the right, Daily Wire stuff. 
if you want to make real art, you're not going to be at home in either world just because what you're saying will kind of trip up the sensors on either side. So, yeah, it's just kind of like real art is going to piss people off. Yeah, it's going to piss people off. But I was I was telling uh uh Matt um I was telling Matt that uh uh about the treatment that he sent you for probably it's going to be just as controversial of a film if i get it made which is the, the obsession progress title uh i'm terrible at like choosing titles um is is aphrodite oh all right aphrodite. that's like sure. my I think that's tight, yeah. re reply that's from my reply to movies not being sexy because and the whole point of it too is um that the woman is being stalked and it's kind of like have you seen michael haneke's cachet uh yes actually it's yeah, similar yeah. yeah and uh you know and where they kind of freak out that somebody is like videotaping their house yeah, yeah. right yeah but i was like what if i do this in kind of a like almost like jess franco uh, erotica kind of way right hmm. and so she actually and dario argento like it's very like giallo influenced because uh, i love italian giallo movies uh yeah i i think actually after after we finish this i'm gonna watch this movie called uh vampiros lesbos which is the just franco movie uh, okay <laughs> sounds cool uh, <laughs> but uh i like i i love that i love that shit um but uh the whole the whole thing is like this uh you know it's like this weird sort of cult uh that's like actually not a cult they're like actors like i don't know if you guys are um uh familiar with like gortowski uh, the uh, polish uh theater director in the 60s yeah. who yeah. like basically he was doing experimental theater so he's doing experimental theater and he very much influenced the stylings of the director Andrei uh, Zhuovsky, who did Possession and uh, Le Note Bleu, and uh, the most important thing is Love and uh, On the Silver Globe and all these films. Um, mm. One of my favorite directors. Uh, mm. But uh, Grotowski would basically take. Um, if you actually want to learn a lot about Grotowski, you got to watch the movie uh, My Dinner with Andre because they. Talk oh, I've about heard Grotowski of that. Of course, yeah, yeah, that film. Yeah. And he would take actors out into like the woods and they would basically perform for no one, but they would do these like weird acting exercises and um, they would kind of like, it, like it was very strange and they would like kind of become their characters and they would have to like emote with their body and their soul essentially. So you get like this almost like hysterical sort of uh, style of acting from him, from his stuff. But I was kind of like inspired by that, but I was like, what if it's like this Bacchanalian cult that, you know, were outlawed and uh, under Rome because it was like these uh, women and some men who would, you know, be like debaucherous and they would supposedly, you know, kill people, sometimes eat people. And, you know, and it was like this total just like submission to all of their vices. Mm. And, uh, I believe that at a certain point you had to get a permit from Rome to even have a, a sculpture of Bacchus or in a Bacchanalian cult in a, in, a, in a sense and it was because it was such it was a big problem hmm. um, and 
so it's like a Bacchanalian cult somewhere in like, uh, like Montenegro, you know, like very early sort of, you know, where there's all sorts of Roman ruins and everything. And, uh, but it's, they're not actually this like 2000 year old Bacchanalian cult. They're like actors who are sort of playing into this. And she's like this, uh, dime square type, (laughs) uh, e-girl, um, who's very sort of sex positive and everything. And when she goes to on this vacation, she starts getting stalked by this person who's taking more like the photos that she's being sent or get more and more intimate. And it actually just turns her on Yeah, and she's plays into it. And then things start getting nasty. And then it starts becoming like Jallo horror mm. uh, until yep. you get to like the big set piece at the end. But um, I actually sent that treatment because <laughs> I was like, okay, I have to, uh, um, I have to see if like this plays with women who kind of inspired, you know, or who I kind of see as like semi inspirations for like the main character. Yeah. So I sent it to some e-girl friends of mine, um, <laughs> some e-girls who are very like sex positive kind of e-girls, or you know, they might have OnlyFans or something like that. And I basically got the green light when one of them got back to me and said, this is my fantasy. And I was like, oh, okay. oh wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, that sounds like a very you know, good plot. And it, it, a very good, uh, you know, very. Oh, I definitely want to check out so the stream. Yeah. 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 I'm going to, I'm going to write it after I finish writing, writing this script. I actually wrote this script mainly just because I was, Kind of having writer's block with the script for for that, and I was like, I gotta write something else, something else that yeah, like yeah. I can do on a smaller budget and shoot here in Austin. Um, but I'll write that probably this summer. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, like, and that's and as but talking about like how people are now like making art rather than just reacting to uh, products that are being put out by the mainstream, like you see Betsy Brown and Peter Vac. Yeah, you know, yeah, I just saw their Russia. Movie in uh, LA, yeah. Actors. I saw, yeah, they had a double feature of assholes and actors. I enjoyed both. Okay. I haven't seen assholes yet. I saw actors. It's good. Um, Yeah. I really liked actors. Yeah. No, I think that all the people that were trying to shut it down, like, it's so obvious that they didn't see the movie. Yeah, Um, completely. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, uh, I, it's all the people that have hate the movie have a complete misunderstanding of what the movie is actually about. And, uh, but you know, like to Betsy's credit, like she hasn't given into that and she likes to kind of keep that controversy, um, surrounding that movie. Cause then it makes it more of a cult film, but absolutely. Uh, yeah. It makes it more of yeah. like a cult film. In, the, in that sense yeah no i think it'll do do and it some favors know. in the long run the, the films that can develop this mythos around them you know make them something beyond just like uh you know video file that you can watch on your computer you know because that's got, everything gets reduced to content but if you can have an actual mythos around your film then no matter what that mythos is even if it's yeah. supposedly bad or controversial it will will do it a lot of favors um, and no, I definitely agree in terms of yeah, uh, it's, exactly. it's amazing. You know, you talk about new Hall, new Hollywood versus whatever this incipient thing is that we're talking about in terms of 
I don't even know what you want to call it. Um, cause I don't think it's dissident right filmmaking or anything like that, but it, it's, it's kind of a cultural movement that, um, grew out of the soil of what was, if not political, then what was kind of a reactionary, you know, reactionary towards culture, as you say, you know, reacting against it, um, that soil mm. art is coming. Um, and it is, you know, it's, yeah. you know, is it, is it a bit, um, it was reacting to, yeah. yeah. It was what reacting to what they oh, saw sorry. as like Hollywood not it was reacting to what they saw as like Hollywood not like making movies for the actual people. Yeah. Right. right? They're making these grand yeah. epics like Cleopatra and, and and you know Ben Hur and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, these movies, like it's not that those movies are bad, like this movie like Ben Hur is a great film, but it's that um like we need to have stories, we need to have characters, we need to, like that actually sort of are of like the people and are actually like commenting on the current state of things and current changing and the a current change in society. And it's like, and, and these Hollywood movies just at that time that they just weren't really doing that, you know? Um, mm. And it's like, and then the, movie, like, the graduate really hits about the whole, you know, the graduate hits like right on that sort of malaise and that sort of uh, intergenerational, uh, you know, that was happening yeah. then of like, this new generation Dustin Hoffman represents this like um uh is like from totally different you, you know he's like this aimless aimless person that he doesn't know what he wants and you know he's being seduced by this person that's Mrs. Robinson from the older generation but he really wants somebody from the newer generation he's not even sure if that's even gonna make him happy and like this like aimlessness that was affecting people at the time and then you get something like uh Midnight, Midnight Cowboy and uh I believe it was 69 or or, or 70 and you get easy rider and you get five mm. easy pieces and like 71 you get all these and then you know scorsese altman coppola they all kind of come onto the uh george lucas um all these guys kind of come onto the scene and then it just explodes and it did help that like we were going into a recession then mm. and people like people wanted movies that really spoke to them and we're going into a recession yeah. now and movies aren't like Marvel movies aren't doing as well as they used to do. Um, I think guardians is doing pretty well, but if you look at the movies before that, like, no, they've been on a downward top a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know air. how much yeah. money, you know, any of those movies actually made when you, when you account for also the marketing budgets, also how much theaters take away also how much, you know, different people get like, like how much, how much money did Dr. Strange actually make? Like, I mean, when you account for everything, I, I'm not sure. I don't think it's a whole lot. I don't think it's what, I don't think it's as much as Disney wanted. Um, Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, so we're sort of in this like weird limbo phase right now. And this is like really the time to hit, which is why I'm like, and now with the, you know, with the writer strike, there's going to be a period Another, of time oh, too, cool. where it's yeah. like, where yeah there's gonna be a period of time where it's like oh a lot of things aren't gonna be that they're not gonna be being made there's gonna be this open window for people who are outside the system to get their films shown exactly and like you know like i'm for like i'm i'm not like anti the writer strike i think it's good in a lot of ways i'm all for hollywood just not making anything yeah um, yeah, yeah i i don't like how I don't like how it's caused though, like 
people who are like middle-class guys who work as like grips or as, um, you know, grips or as camera, uh, camera guys or art department people yeah, below like, the line depend folks. on yeah. the below the line folks. Yeah. And now they can't work. Now they're also out of work. Like, yeah. I don't like that, but no. you know, but at the same time, it's like every sort of situation like this is also an opportunity and it's going to be, uh, I, I think that there's gonna be a window and I don't think it's going to be a very big window, but there is going to be a window where um, independent movies, like there's not going to be any mainstream Hollywood movies during the window. It's yeah. not going to be this year because like they've stuck. already yeah. completed everything that's coming out this year. It's going to be like next year and maybe the year after that, there's going to be uh, less uh, mainstream movies. And I think that that's when it's like, if you want to start some sort of new wave, that's when you hit, you know, that's like, so yeah. when the writer strike happened, I was like, "Oh shit, I'm running out of time. Like, I have to, I have to get done. I have to write this. Absolutely, I this. I because it's made. already the case that, like, at least for me personally, most of the entertainment I consume is independently produced stuff produced by our guys. So podcasts, yeah. books I read, you know, YouTube uh, video essays, whatever." But the one thing that remains is film and television because like simply it's just too expensive. It's too uh, talent intensive. You need too many different people working together for our guys to make film and TV. And like, yes, there are some notable exceptions, but as you, as we're discussing going into this writer's strike, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time for, you know, someone to raise enough money to produce. And I mean, which is not to say there haven't been some. Yes, like uh, Eugene Kotlyarenko's movies, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, you know, certainly, uh, while I wouldn't necessarily call them red-pilled, maybe they're clear-pilled. Yeah, he's been been making movies for actually quite some time now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm sick. Um, no he's been making movies for like what ten ten years. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's been at it. One of the uh, original yeah, discoverers and, uh, of Dasha, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know who the original discoverer of, of Dasha was? Adam Friedland. Uh, was Amanda Milius. Really? Amanda. Oh, right, because she was in um her student film. Right. She was in Amanda's like student film yeah oh, i didn't know that amanda's uh thesis film yeah huh. interesting yeah i'm yeah she she loves to she loves to tell me that story and i'm like amanda you've already told this to me <laughs> <laughs> um, <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but uh um but yeah no, that no like good, that yeah. scene though kind of that scene though did kind of grow out of like uh eugene's films like i discovered dasha through wobble palace mm-hmm. um, yeah like you know i like you know like i was i didn't even know that she was sailor socialism until like honestly like last year like mm. it's like yeah. oh yeah that's the same oh that's the actress from wobble palace that, that's always how yeah. I yeah, yeah. framed it you know mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah no that and that's been and that's been growing and i'm glad to see more people sort of stepping into this into this to actually make stuff that's 
like uh um this different you know like obviously like a movie like spree is something that a hollywood studio wouldn't really get behind and i think that there were walkouts at the showing at sundance of spree that sounds right yeah um, which is weird because it's not even that yeah i'd have to find a movie but it's yeah. not even that offensive um <laughs> but i i i found it kind of funny that uh the main actor in there his name is i i joke about this in my video um the main actor in there is named joe keery which right. is like joker um, yeah <laughs> well he was in stranger things of course well what's interesting with spree is that like yes yeah, it, it in... is kind of this outside a little bit i mean not to, i wouldn't even call it an outsider movie but yeah yeah i sort of disinter outsider edge to it but it also had some big names behind it you know joe keery um one of the arquettes is in it Wasn't, um, uh, um... Hulu ended up getting behind it, you know, yeah, and David, putting David Arquette didn't, didn't, wasn't Drake, David Arquette, yeah. didn't Drake produce Drake? Drake. Yeah. Dream no. crew. Now I don't know if that means Drake at himself actually watched the movie, but, um, but yeah, they, 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 they threw some, some money, you know, they were a producer on it. They, they put some money in. Um, so, and I believe dream crew also produces euphoria, which, um, you know, is not really dissident in the way that we're talking about, but yeah, nevertheless, I, by, I like Euphoria. Produced by Drake. Yeah. 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 Executive producer um, is Drake. So there is even even oh music by James Ferraro yeah oh I didn't even realize Ferraro was I mean he's he's uh, very much of this ilk as well um yeah like I yeah. don't think Drake is like based per se but I do think there's there's some interesting people even on level who who want good art and um, are willing to to support yeah I would even say too that like even though they're they're kind of they might fall more into like dirtbag leftists um, but the Safties are also sort of oh completely yeah in that um yeah they're like they're they're a part of that and uh you know like a movie like good time mm -hmm. was so yeah. refreshing when i saw that i was like wow this is like this is like watching a 70s scorsese movie you know yeah and, yeah uh for sure and, and one yeah, o tricks so, by never for that i believe vaguely associated with red scare and definitely knows eli and akashian's you know well then eli yeah. eli and Eli was in the music department for Uncut Gems. Right. Like, so no, there's right. there's definitely like networks that go beyond, you know, people who know Curtis Yarvin <laughs> yeah. um at play here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's a I think it's it's an exciting time uh as far as like what's gonna happen this year. I I think it's gonna be yeah. honestly like as far as this year, it's gonna be more just sort of reactionary to whatever Hollywood is putting out, which I've kind of checked out of like doing that um, yeah. because to me, I, I see that as just like uh, pissing in the wind, you know, it's yeah, like, okay. yeah. like everyone knows everyone, like what am I going to say about the little mermaid that like nobody said, but already, but it's also, I think because people are starting to feel like we're kind of winning, so to speak. I think people are starting to realize, Oh, this is no longer, I'm no longer, necessarily like a, a one voice in the room saying this movie sucks like all of a sudden it's like oh everyone kind of thinks this like which is means where the next yeah. step is to but actually make better movies yeah and i think too that it's like uh when you kind of feel like you are gonna win right yeah you uh you just stop paying attention to what the other people are doing because you see it as like like I, as I see like all these Disney movies, I just see them as unimportant. I'm like, they're, it's not even. I went and saw Guardians out of, as I said, a morbid curiosity. Uh, but 
I don't really think about it outside of like, I watch it, I kind of give my opinion on Letterboxd and then I completely forget about it. I'm not going to make a video on it. I'm not going to do anything like that. I like to, I, I do like to keep up and see like, what are they putting out? Like when, what are, what's everyone who wants to do something new, like going up against, but I don't let it like take up too much, like mental, mental space or, or right. anything. I don't want to give too much psychic energy to it, but it's like, I'm not going to see the little mermaid. I'm not going to see any of these like Disney live action adaptations. Like, I'm I'm not gonna see whatever yes. new Star Wars yeah. show that they have. Oh no! So, yeah. To me, it's just like it's like that. Those are relics. Those are relics of the past. They're not. They're not worthy of my time or my energy. And you know, it's uh, it's just time to time to move on. Like they might be making money now, but it's a dwindling. It, you know that they're having dwind like their cultural relevance is kind of becoming less and less and less and you know like and uh so it's you know i think that we're at a point where it can be like oh yeah who cares yeah of course disney spoke of, yeah of course no, it's, it's so it's so, so banal and tired at this point yeah yeah so what would we say yeah, just, is uh you know, next for you at this juncture um you you're working on these screenplays and uh you know uh, <laughs> yeah potentially moving forward with uh a couple of them yeah so i'm keeping up my uh um well, i gotta send this uh guy a text because for watching philosophy of a knife today mm-hmm. um cool uh <laughs> but uh um the uh uh well i think that like i'm I'm gonna keep up my youtube channel at least for now um yeah you know i also absolutely should and People love it. Yeah, so I'm keeping on my YouTube channel for now. Um, I'm doing some new things on the on on the channel. Um, I've been um, helping out Asher with his short film, and hopefully, I get to uh, work on that set. But uh, but yeah, so um, so I'm gonna keep up the YouTube channel and uh, trying to. I'm gonna try to get into production of this film, maybe mm. near to the end of the year um and uh get more into into feature filmmaking that's partially why i was in new york i was like meeting up with people that i wanted to to be a part of it um nice and uh i want to get like uh and i'm also like want to get my youtube channel back up and running like end of this month and into next month after i finish the script i also uh have been sort of doing some pre-planning on making like a uh, film magazine for people with outsider perspectives on oh great yeah things like right. kind of akin yeah. to like a new kaiju cinema mm-hmm. um but i'm i'm learning about how that all works right now so it's probably gonna take me a month to just kind of go through and like figure out how to actually make a magazine like that um mm. and uh but yeah so that's kind of you know the trajectory of like uh what I plan to do, I actually have my movie cast. Uh, I have awesome. Lead I've, I've heard, yeah. In the this, in this script, it's going to be Eggy. Um, it's going to be the main character. Um, Perfect. And uh, yeah, it's going to be Toby. Yeah, and uh, yes, it's going to cool. be Toby. Yeah. Well, I, I just call it Toby just because that's his like fake alias name online. Oh I'll shit! Wait, I have to comment on this. But the character in my book yeah. about a similar topic is also named Toby. Pretty weird. 
go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll probably, I'm probably going to change the name. It's just something that like, uh, I was just like, okay, well, I, I'm writing it for him and his like uh, alias also, his other alias is Toby Ronaldo. So I, right, uh, right. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll just call him this like, and then I can figure out like what I want their names to be uh, yeah. after the first draft. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm just going to get in a production of that. Hopefully that'll, hopefully that'll be smooth sailing. And, and, you know, like, and on paper, Dan, you probably saw this on paper. Like when you hear the script, it's kind of feels like taxi driver, but I don't know if you picked up on how I'm writing it or <coughs> there's a lot more like, I would say Kieslowski and Gaspar Noe influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sure. Actually yeah. Like writing it. And yeah, Gus I can sense that as well. Definitely Gus Van Zandt. Yeah, like, definitely parallels to Elephant. I saw. Yeah, I love Elephant. Oh, yeah, I love Elephant so much. Um, and yeah, it's definitely like. So it's like when I say this, like when I give people the logline, they're like, "Oh, it's like Taxi Driver." I'm like, "Well, if you like, I don't like. I I'm literally doing everything in the script to make it not like Taxi Driver." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm literally and buffalo 66 is also a big uh you know that has on been it. on my list for so yeah. long i have not seen it yet but who knows maybe even tonight convince my girlfriend to watch it yeah yeah, yeah. a nice romantic so movie <laughs> unironically though it is Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know the ending, so I wasn't sure. But yeah, uh, well, I won't tell you. I won't tell you the ending. But <laughs> but um, it is literally the movie of "It's So Over, We're So Back." Oh, nice. Um, okay, yeah, that's literally, yeah, yeah. So don't expect expect it to go to levels of darkness, but don't expect it to stay there. Oh, good. Good to so, know. Yeah. It is a nice romantic movie, just like the Brown Bunny is a nice romantic movie. Mm-hmm. That's next on our. It's a date list. movie. That's what Vincent. Gallo, <laughs> that's what Vincent Gallo said. It's a date movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, well, yeah. I uh, all right. Um, did you guys go to the Gallo event we did in New York? Uh, unfortunately, I believe like, that was when I was in Austin. Potentially, right. That was like the weekend no, you were here in October. Oh, then no, I didn't. Sorry. No, no, yeah. the weekend. The weekend I was here was for the James Ferraro show. Oh, okay, um, sure. But in but in October we did an event with uh with Vincent. That was uh really cool. Very very sweet, very sweet man. Very misunderstood. He's misunderstood honestly because he he likes to be misunderstood. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. Um, like uh yeah like many only, of I us only have good things to say yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i mean not gotta, that our keep that air of mystique yeah not that our listeners even need it but um they can find you at on youtube at the kino corner uh the kino corner there we go Keen, not no. uh yeah <laughs> not, not with the boomer pronunciation yeah. kino the kino corner and <laughs> um are there any other things you might wish to plug at this point? Um, yeah, sure. I'll plug a podcast I do with um, my friend uh, Monkey Jones called Is It Kino? Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
I'm sometimes on it, sometimes I'm not on it. Uh, so just depending upon if I see the movie or not, like there's a rotating, rotating guest list, uh, rotating hosts, uh, on that one, but I'm, I'm on it fairly often. Um, is a Kino. There's also, it's the Kino corner too across Twitter, Instagram, pretty much. I, I try to make it simple letterboxd. It's, it's easy to find me. Yeah. I guess, and I guess if you it. were <laughs> looking for movies to watch as I often am, uh, you know, there are a lot aggregated on the Kino Corner. So, like, you can just, you know, there are videos yeah. where I think you list, like, 10, like, you know, Kino movies. And, yeah. 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 Just, you know. Those they, are fun videos to make. Yeah. yeah. It will expose uh, our listeners to, uh, you know, all the classics that have been buried this by the by the woke mob. Pavlikovsky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, watch some. Uh, I think one of the movies I I recommended on one of the videos is a. And I'll I'll leave this. This will be my last thing. Is the man who stole the sun, which was mm-hmm. written by Leonard Schrader, Paul Schrader's brother, about a uh, high school ma- a science teacher who builds a nuclear bomb in Japan and uh, takes the Japanese government hostage. Oh, cool! It's a good movie. Wow, that does sound good. Yeah, you can watch it on the. You can watch it on the uh, internet archive. That's, that's oh, I think excellent! That's it. always a plus when it's totally free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna check that out. Move over World War II documentaries. We <laughs> 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 check out <laughs> this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, so good to meet you. Um, I'm sure we'll keep oh. talking. I, I, I'm gonna check out oh, this yeah, likewise, the treatment. Man. I'll get the treatment from Dan, and um, yeah, I know. Excited to see what you put together. It sounds like you got a lot. A lot of irons in the fire. Um, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, dude. Oh, really yeah, appreciate sure. it. It's great to oh, have you not. here. Uh, next time I'm in Austin, I'll you know look you up and please next time you're in New York. Yeah. Uh, I'll say hello. Yeah. yeah, of course, man. All right. Well, I have to run, so uh, I'll see you guys later. All right. Bye. See you.